is the Come Read With Me podcast. This is Come Read With Me, the Book of Mormon, episode number 12. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 12 of Come Read With Me, the Book of Mormon. Today, we are in 1 Nephi chapter 14, a powerhouse chapter I'm excited to get into. First, we're going to have Dave give us a recap, tell us where we are, and then I'm going to dive right in and keep reading. Dave, go ahead. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, We are reading and listening to Nephi's revelations that he's received. He had asked to see the same visions that his father Lehi had seen. And the last few chapters that we've been reading, an angel has come to him and has kind of narrated and shown him the same things, like I say, that his father Lehi had seen. This chapter, chapter 14, is the last of this vision. So, and it it is full of prophecy, full of revelation, and that's kind of where we're at. Just picking up with Nephi's revelation and conclusion of the visions that he has seen that mimicked his fathers. Awesome. Can't wait. Okay. First Nephi, chapter 14, verse 1. And it shall come to pass that if the Gentiles shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day, that he shall manifest himself unto them in word and also in power, in very deed unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks, and harden not their hearts against the Lamb of God. They shall be numbered among the seed of thy father. Yea, they shall be numbered among the house of Israel. And they shall be a blessed people upon the promised land forever. They shall be no more brought down into captivity and the house of Israel shall no more be confounded. And that great pit, which hath been digged for them by that great and abominable church, which was founded by the devil and his children, that he might lead away the souls of men down to hell, yea, that great pit, which hath been digged for the destruction of men, shall be filled by those who digged it unto their utter destruction, saith the Lamb of God, not the destruction of the soul, save it be the casting of it into that hell, which hath no end. For behold, this is according to the captivity of the devil, and also according to the justice of God upon all those who will work wickedness and abomination before him. Man, heavy right off the bat here, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. All right, a couple of things I want to talk about here. That great pit, the great and abominable church, quick refresher on that. This is the church that's full of materialism and gluttony and slothfulness and all those things. This is sort of the antithesis of the church of Jesus Christ, and that's what that's talking about here. But the great pit that was digged for them, this is in reference back to the previous chapter where it was talking about the truths that were removed from the Bible so that people no longer had all of the truths that the Bible had contained at the outset. Some of those had been removed thus creating stumbling blocks and a pit for people to fall into as they make mistakes and have problems that they don't know how to fix. So I just want to point that out as a quick reminder of where we're at. Okay, back in, in verse number five. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me, Nephi, saying, Thou hast beheld that if the Gentiles repent, it shall be well with them. And thou also knowest concerning the covenants of the Lord unto the house of Israel. And thou also hast heard that whoso repenteth not must perish. Therefore, woe be unto the Gentiles, if it so be that they harden their hearts against the Lamb of God. For the time cometh, saith the Lamb of God, that I will work a great and a marvelous work among the children of men, a work which shall be everlasting, either on the one hand or on the other, either to the convincing of them unto peace and life eternal, or unto the deliverance of them to the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, unto their being brought down into captivity 
and also into destruction, both temporally and spiritually, according to the captivity of the devil, of which I have spoken. And it came to pass that when the angel had spoken these words, he said unto me, Rememberest thou the covenants of the Father unto the house of Israel? I said unto him, Yea. And it came to pass that he said unto me, Look, and behold that great and abominable church, which is the mother of all abominations, whose founder is the devil. And he said unto me, Behold, there are saved two churches only. The one is the church of the Lamb of God, the other is the church of the devil. Wherefore, whoso belongeth not to the church of the Lamb of God, belongeth to that great church, which is the mother of abominations, and she is the whore of all the earth. And it came to pass that I looked and beheld the whore of all the earth, and she sat upon many waters, and she had dominion over all the earth, among all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. And it came to pass that I beheld the church of the Lamb of God, and its numbers were few, because of the wickedness and abominations of the whore who sat upon many waters. Nevertheless, I beheld that the church of the Lamb, who were the saints of God, were also upon all the face of the earth, and their dominions upon the face of the earth were small, because of the wickedness of the great whore whom I saw. And it came to pass that I beheld that the great mother of abominations did gather together multitudes upon the face of all the earth, among all the nations of the Gentiles, to fight against the Lamb of God. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the power of the Lamb of God, that it descended upon the saints of the church of the Lamb, and upon the covenant people of the Lord, who are scattered upon all the face of the earth. And they were armed with righteousness, and with the power of God in great glory. And it came to pass that I beheld that the wrath of God was poured out upon that great and abominable church, insomuch that there were wars and rumors of wars among all the nations and kindreds of the earth. And as there began to be wars and rumors of wars among all the nations which belonged to the mother of abominations, the angel spake unto me, saying, Behold, the wrath of God is upon the mother of harlots. And behold, thou seest all these things. And when the day cometh that the wrath of God is poured out upon the mother of harlots, which is the great and abominable church of all the earth, whose founder is the devil, then at that day the work of the Father shall commence in preparing the way for the fulfilling of his covenants, which he hath made to his people, who were of the house of Israel. Wow. Man. That is some pretty great prophecy. And again, we just need to remember that Nephi is seeing this in the future. So now, yes. as we're reading this, this this is stuff that has happened already or is in the process of happening. And I love how Nephi, in this vision, distills down there are but two churches, the good and the bad. And if you're not for the one, which is the Lamb, of, the church of the Lamb of God, then you are for the other, which is the church of the devil. Absolutely. And it, he, ta- he talks very powerfully of the contrast between the two, the subtleties, the tactics that are used by the one. Interesting how he, in these verses that we just read, the great and abominable church is over all the face of the earth and upon many waters. Yes. The, the influence of Satan is upon all the earth. And yet he said, though the numbers of the church of the Lamb of God, which are few, those are also still scattered all over the earth and upon the waters. And I just think that that's kind of nice and reassuring in our day. We can see evil all around us. And yet there's still a good smattering of people who are believers in Jesus Christ and striving to follow his teachings. Anyways, kind of powerful language, strong imagery of the comparison and contrast between the church of the devil and the church of the Lamb of God. 
Absolutely. I absolutely love this. And and this points out, I think, the fact that when it's saying the church of the Lamb of God and the church of the devil, this isn't, I think, referring to specific denominations of Christendom or whatever other denomination of religion there may be. What it's saying here is there are people who are followers of Christ all over the earth. Their numbers will be few. And what we're looking at here is kind of a Revelations-esque you know, the book of Revelations type of prophecy here, where it's saying that the whore of all the earth, the church of the devil, essentially everybody who has chosen wickedness over righteousness, all of those people are gathered together to fight against the church of the Lamb of God, which is all the followers of Jesus Christ. And they're gathered together among the many waters and among all the earth, but the few, the few who are the followers of Christ have the power of God on their side. In fact, the wrath of God to protect them. And I love that. I just, I love it because it really goes, harkens back to me to the book of Revelations and what is prophesied there as to what's going to happen at Armageddon and other places. Whereas this feels just, just another affirmation of that, which I love. Another thing that I loved here is that so many times when people think, especially people who are seeking to understand their relationship with faith, sometimes people think that God is there to punish us for our mistakes. Some people think that the things that go wrong in our lives, the things that are bad in our lives, are there because God has chosen to punish us. One thing that I love about this section that we just read is it illustrates for us very clearly the actual nature of our relationship with God and how it works. We already know that what God has said here is that if you follow him, you'll have his power on your side. And what he says here in verse seven, it says, either to the convincing of them unto peace and life eternal, or unto the deliverance of them to the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, unto their being brought down into captivity and also into destruction, both temporarily and spiritually. So what this is saying is that when those bad things are happening to us, it's not because God is sitting there making it happen to us. He's saying that there's a natural consequence to acting without the Spirit. And that is that we're in our own blind minds and our own hard hearts going to make mistakes that we're not being saved from. And Jesus Christ is there to help us with all of these things, and he can deliver us unto peace and life eternal if we choose to follow him. And I love that. He is there to give us peace and life eternal if we'll follow him. Any consequence that comes from us choosing not to is not because he's punishing us. It's because that's the natural consequence of following It's because we're reaping what we've sown. Exactly. (laughs) It's just following our own natural man instincts. So I love that. I love the relationship that's pointed out there. One other quick thing. We talk about the church of the devil, the church of the Lamb of God, the power and righteousness that comes from striving to follow Jesus Christ, and the natural consequences that follow when we don't. Those of us who would proclaim to be followers of Jesus Christ, we are not perfect. Now, does that mean it's an all or nothing that because we're not perfect, therefore we've got to be on the dark side? No. And that's what I love in verse five when he says, we have repentance. We're going to make mistakes, but those that repent, it shall be well with them, but whoso repenteth not must perish. And I love that. Heavenly Father is always there to extend his loving arm. The atonement of Jesus Christ is always there if we'll accept it and take it and use it. And repent has nothing to do with perfection. Correct. Repent, in fact, has everything to do with all of us embracing our flawed nature, taking our flaws and our mistakes to the altar of God, to Jesus Christ, who has covered for all of our sins in his great atonement, taking it to Jesus Christ and seeking repentance, though we know we're flawed, though we know we will continue to be flawed, though we know we will always be flawed. 
always seeking to improve not only ourselves, but through Jesus Christ, seeking repentance. Yep. I love it. Man, this is good stuff. All right, let's jump into verse 18. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me, saying, Look. And I looked and beheld a man, and he was dressed in a white robe. And the angel said unto me, Behold, one of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Behold, he shall see and write the remainder of these things, yea, and also many things which have been. And he shall also write concerning the end of the world. Wherefore, the things which he shall write are just and true. And behold, they are written in the book which thou beheld proceeding out of the mouth of the Jew. And at the time they proceeded out of the mouth of the Jew, or at the time the book proceeded out of the mouth of the Jew, the things which were written were plain and pure and most precious and easy to the understanding of all men. Real quick here, as Nephi is seeing this man dressed in a white robe, who is one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, who shall see and write things, we're talking about John the Revelator here. This is Nephi seeing in vision, in the future, John the Revelator and what his mission will be and how he will record those revelations and those prophecies. And and like he said, they will be recorded in the book by the mouth of the Jew, which was the Bible as we know it. Absolutely. Okay, awesome. Right back in at verse 24. And behold, the things which this apostle of the Lamb shall write are many things which thou hast seen. And behold, the remainder shalt thou see. But the things which thou shalt see hereafter thou shalt not write. For the Lord God hath ordained the apostle of the Lamb of God that he should write them. And also others who have been to them hath he shown all things. And they have written them, and they are sealed up to come forth in their purity according to the truth which is in the Lamb in the own due time of the Lord unto the house of Israel. And I, Nephi, heard and bear record that the name of the apostle of the Lamb was John, according to the word of the angel. And behold, I, Nephi, am forbidden that I should write the remainder of the things which I saw and heard. Wherefore, the things which I have written sufficeth me. And I have written but a small part of the things which I saw. And I bear record that I saw the things which my father saw. And the angel of the Lord did make them known unto me. And now I make an end of speaking concerning the things which I saw while I was carried away in the spirit. And if all the things which I saw are not written, the things which I have written are true. And thus it is. Amen. All right, great stuff. So so more sort of affirmation that it is, in fact, John the Revelator, and that this vision, part of what we've seen here already, and what I was mentioning before, is sort of an affirmation of what's happening in the book of Revelations that was written by John the Revelator. So I love that. Also saying, you are going to be shown essentially the same things that John was shown, but don't write it yet. Yeah. Right? What I also love here, though, is that it says that there are other people who have written similar visions, but it will come forth in the own due time of God. What I love about this is that I believe that God lives. I believe that God manifests himself to his children through answers to prayer, through revelation, through vision, through miracles, all these things that existed in the Bible, that existed in the Book of Mormon, still exist today. And God still loves his children in the same way if we would but come to him with faith requisite for visions and miracles and all these other things, we can have these things too. And what I love about a prophecy like this is it's telling us there's more out there. Yeah. There's more out there and you can get it and in its own due time, it will come but we need to have faith requisite to make that sort of thing happen. So I love that. I'll just add there too. I love how Nephi has been blessed to be shown what his father saw 
and what others would see, including John the Revelator. And yet he was instructed by the Spirit to stay in your lane. You write what you write. You let him write what he writes. And like you had mentioned, there's going to be others who have had visions, prophecies, other prophets that will also record those things. And those will be, those will come forth that we'll be able to read them. But in the end, I like what Nephi said, I haven't written everything, but what I have written, I know to be true. That's great. That's great that he would have that confidence to know where he stands in the scheme of things, but to know that what he did write is true. Absolutely. And one thing I want to point out is, of course, for people who are reading the Book of Mormon for the first time, I want people to understand that I want no one to take our word for any of what we say and any of the beliefs that we have, nor do I want anyone to read Nephi saying that what he's written is true and take that. What I want for people to do is I want people to go in prayer. I want to make sure that as people are reading the Book of Mormon, they're invited to say a prayer that they're invited to invite the Spirit to confirm the truthfulness of these things to them. Because nothing Nephi says here is going to mean a whole lot without the Spirit to testify of it. All right, Dave, I think we're all set on this one, but do you have any other takeaways or key summaries from the chapter? I like how Nephi has been able to see these visions that testify of Christ. It, you know, we, we're talking about different things, different churches, whatever, but all things point to Christ or are part of his plan of a loving Heavenly Father for His children through His loving Son, Jesus Christ. And I just I just don't want to lose track of that, that there's some great prophecy, there's some great doctrine in here, but all of this is about Jesus Christ. The whole Book of Mormon, like the Bible, is a testament or a witness of Jesus Christ. And I think that's great that the Lord will reveal His Son to His other children through various manners, including prophets and dreams and visions and revelations and feelings and all of that stuff. I am grateful that Jesus Christ can be found in all things if we but look for him. Absolutely. I love that. My key takeaway from this chapter is really repent and come unto Jesus Christ. The dichotomy is clearly illustrated here. There is going to be two sides at the end of all of this. There's going to be people who are following Jesus Christ and seeking Jesus Christ and people who are fighting against Jesus Christ. And the decision of what side you are on starts now. When it comes time to make a decision, if you have gone too far down the other path, it will be too hard to turn around, or you might not have that opportunity, or you might not have that desire because you've gone so far down dark paths. There will be two sides. And I I just hope all of us can carefully select the side we want and seek Jesus Christ. Okay, then that about does it for this chapter. Thank you for listening. Join us again next time as we continue reading the Book of Mormon together. Quick disclaimer here, this podcast is not produced by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Everything expressed in this podcast is the opinion of the people making it, and it is not endorsed by the church or its leaders. Everything in this podcast is intended to promote faith in Jesus Christ by helping you understand the Book of Mormon. Please listen to this podcast with an open heart and pray for guidance from the Lord as you continue reading the Book of Mormon. Thank you for listening.